The following message is from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about Life Source is available at lifesource.org.au. Um, there's no doubt that all the people who have walked upon the earth, no one has had a greater impact on this planet than the Lord Jesus Christ. Can anybody doubt that? Can anybody doubt that? When, when you consider that history has been divided with the coming of Jesus. I mean, we live today in the year 2018 AD, Anno Domini, which is in Latin means the year of our Lord. And so our history is divided. And you know what? There are the God-haters that actually hate the fact that we call it 2018 AD. You can see them gnashing their teeth. You can see them clenching their fists because they hate that. And they can't do anything about it. They can't do anything about it because it's not them that have had an impact upon the planet, but the Lord Jesus Christ, who's had the greatest impact on this world than any other person that's ever walked this planet. And for this, we gather together at Easter time to remember and so I honor you today for coming to remember. And, uh, and it doesn't worry me that with some of you, I only see you at Easter and at Christmas. I'm, I'm praying that I can see you again week in and week out. But even if it's Christmas and Easter, I love the fact that you take the time to honor. Oh, look, two little bunny rabbits. <laughs> and you thought nobody noticed the bunny rabbits running down the aisle. I love the fact that you guys are at the front row. Under the spout where the glory comes out. It's where it is. It's where the action is. Did you have a good time in children's church? Great. Now you're going to have a great time in church as well. So, so here's the big question. Why is today called Good Friday? And, um, you know, it's called Good Friday. And uh, my title this morning is, What's Good About Good Friday?, and, uh, and there's three things that's good about Good Friday. And I'm going to talk to you about three things that's happened to us because of Good Friday. We get freedom, we get forgiveness, and we get favor. The three Fs. Freedom, forgiveness, and favor. So I want to read to you one verse from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. That gives us these three things that we get on Good Friday. Freedom, forgiveness and favor. This is what it says. In him, we have redemption through his blood. This word redemption is a Greek word, apolutrosis, which means to be set free. This, this, uh, this word apolutrosis literally means a price that was paid for our freedom. We have freedom, redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound towards us, the riches of his grace, this incredible favor. So let's talk about freedom, first of all. Freedom, and I've got some props here today. The key represents freedom. Why why does the key represent freedom? Because Jesus paid the price to unlock the prison doors that happened to us because of sin. So this this whole thing about the sacrifice and the cross is, has to be connected to sin. And, and postmodernism wants to remove sin from our vocabulary. Postmodernism wants to make sin just the terrible evil deeds 
that are committed, the atrocities that the Hitlers of this world, the Pol Pots, they're the only sinners. But the Bible tells us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So, so let, let, let me share with you how sin entered the world and just what this obscene sin was that caused us all to be sinners. And, and it's found in the Bible and in Genesis. And, and you know the story in Genesis chapter 3 where Adam and Eve sinned. So what was, the, what was the terrible thing that Adam and Eve did? They ate a piece of fruit. You say, what? They ate a piece of fruit? They ate a piece of fruit and it was like eternity in the universe got split asunder. Why is that? Because sin is anything that's against obedience to God. And so, so, so what happens is that we have been brainwashed into thinking that we're not sinners. And when you're brainwashed into thinking that you're not sinners, then you've got no value as to how God values sin and what God thinks about sin. And what we know is this when we read the Bible, and he's Adam and Eve, and all they did was eat a piece of fruit. That's all they did. They never murdered anybody. They never raped anybody. They just ate a piece of fruit. But because it was against God, guilt got into their heart. And as soon as they did it, they felt guilty and they felt ashamed. Let me ask you, you don't have to put up your hand. How many of you have ever felt guilt and shame? I guarantee there's not one person here that can sit there and say, John, I've never felt guilt and shame. All of us have. And we feel, I, I tell you, I, I feel guilt and shame if I offend my wife. If I, if I raise my voice against my wife, I feel guilt and shame. You know, I just, it's, 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 let me tell you something. It's a precious thing to have a sensitive heart. And so here's Adam and Eve, you know, guilt and shame, and they're hiding, and they're hiding from God. And, you know, God comes into the garden, and, you know, the, I think one of the most tragic words in the Bible is, Adam, where are you? This, this, you know, this incredible relationship that was built between man and God was now broken by sin, and, and, and Adam's hiding. And, and what they did is that they felt guilt and shame, and they're trying to cover over their guilt and shame. And so they're thinking, why don't we create some fig leaves? And they got some fig leaves to cover over their guilt and shame, but I only found that it just didn't do much. But you know what the Bible tells us that God did? Is that he covered their guilt and shame. And you can read this in Genesis chapter 3, where God actually killed an animal and got the skin of an animal and made a covering of skin, of animal skin, for Adam and Eve. And so he made the first clothes out of animal skins. But in order to get the animal skins, an animal had to die and blood had to be shed. And so this is something that, again, you know, postmodernism and the new age and the new religion just wants to remove blood from Easter and just wants to, and just wants to make it clinical. I don't know how many of you watched in 2004 the Mel Gibson film, The Passion of the Christ? How many of you were confronted with how much blood was in that film? I was confronted to, to such a degree that I watched it from beginning to end in 2004, 
went out and bought the Blu-ray DVD and have never watched it from beginning to end since. So conf- How many of you are like that? I, yeah, exactly. I mean, I've watched little bits and clips and pieces of it. And to such an extent that even now, we are really hesitant to show it in church in case there are kids that get traumatized over it. And, and it's like, oh, you know, you Christians are just slaughterhouse religion and too much blood. And can we, can we take the blood out of Christianity? No, you can't. Why can't you? Because God put it in. But, 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 but it's, 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 it's so, it's, it's so old-fashioned. It's, I don't care what it is. It's what God put in. And the focus of Easter is always the blood. Why is that? Because it's through the blood of Jesus, the sacrifice of Jesus, that we have freedom. And people don't get this. The wages of sin is death. There's a penalty for sin. There's a penalty. And so sin puts us into bondage. Sin puts us into captivity. Sin actually leads us to the wrong kingdom, which is the kingdom of darkness. And a price had to be paid to give us freedom. And that's the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all sin and opens the prison doors and no longer gives the enemy a claim over us because the blood of Jesus cleanses us. And we, and we follow the theme right through the Bible. It starts in, in Genesis chapter 3 where the blood of animals was able to cover Adam and Eve. And then in chapter 4, we have the story of Cain and Abel. Who knows the story of Cain and Abel? How many of you know that, 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 uh, that Cain killed his brother Abel? First murderer was Cain. Why did he kill his brother Abel? Very simply because he was jealous. And what was he jealous about? He was jealous over the fact that God favoured Abel's sacrifice and not Cain's. So here's these two brothers. Both of them had sinned. Both of them had realised that they had guilt and shame. And so now what they're trying to do is cover over their sin. And so Abel brings the firstlings of the flock. He brings a blood sacrifice. He brings an animal to sacrifice. And the Bible says that God accepted Abel's sacrifice. Then he's Cain. He brings his vegetables. He says, hey, man, I'll just make a sacrifice. I'll give God some tomatoes and some cucumbers and some carrots and whatever. And the Bible says that God never accepted Cain's sacrifice. And he's Cain feeling angry that God didn't accept his sacrifice. Feeling angry against his brother, not realizing or not wanting to understand that what God accepts is blood, the blood sacrifice. So he ends up killing his brother, and there's, you know, there's consequences of that. But then, then we go on to the children of Israel and, and, uh, and what's called the Passover. How many of you know that the Passover is the central feast in Jewish calendar? And it was during the feast of the Passover that Jesus was crucified. Why is that? Because Jesus was the Passover sacrifice. And the Passover, God instituted this, and it all had to do with blood. And again, you know, we, we, we really struggle with this. But it was the children of Israel were in Egypt. There were nine plagues. How many of you know the ten plagues of Egypt? The tenth, the tenth plague was, was a death angel was coming to kill the firstborn of every family. And God says to the children of Israel, hey, listen, 
if you want the death angel to pass over your home, what you need to do is get a lamb, a pure lamb, undefiled lamb, kill that lamb, and take the blood of the lamb and sprinkle the blood over, of the lamb over the doorpost, the lintels of your house, so that your house is covered with blood. How many Asians do we have here? How many of you know that an Asian New Year, you get the red and you put it on the lintels of your house? And so many Asian people, that's exactly what they do. They get red lanterns or red paint or red color and they put it on the lintels of their house. Is that right? Is that right? Where do you get this? You had no idea that this was a connection to, to, to this thing that happened uh, thousands of years previously that actually has become culture in some countries that don't even know where it comes from, but just know that red is really important. They, want, they don't want bad luck to come to them, and they really believe that if they put red outside of their house, then good luck will come. They've, they've just misinterpreted that it's the blood of the pure lamb. That stops the death angel coming in. It's called the Passover. And then when John the Baptist saw Jesus, he said to his disciples, that's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And then, and then what we have, we move on to the tabernacle. We move on to this very holy place where, where there's, there's this room called the Holy of Holies. And in this room called the Holy of Holies, there was a piece of furniture called the Ark of the Covenant. How many of you saw Raiders of the Lost Ark and saw the Covenant, the Ark of the Covenant? And the Ark of the Covenant, believe it or not, was a box with a seat. And on the box, on either end of the box... There were these seraphims with their wings spread out over the top. And in the middle of the seraphim, there was a seat and it was called the mercy seat. And so what would happen is that, is that this, this very special place in the tabernacle, in, in, the, in the temple called the Holy of Holies, the high priest could only go in once a year on the day of atonement. And he could only come in with a blood sacrifice. And he was to sprinkle the blood on top of the mercy seat between the wings of the cherubim, asking for God's forgiveness for the sins of the people on the Day of Atonement. And, you know, and, and, and what happens was, was this, is that nobody could walk into that place because it was so holy. And what they did is that they understood the severity of God. And again, it's something that we just missed today. We said, oh, you know, God's pretty cool, whatever. Hey, listen, nobody could walk in. And, and you know what custom tells us is that they were so scared of the judgment of God that they'd actually tie a rope around the high priest. And the Bible tells us that his, his garment had bells and pomegranates around the bottom of his garment. And so if he was moving around, they'd hear the bells. They'd hear the bells. And, and, and they kind of were so afraid of God that if God didn't accept the sacrifice, then God would strike down the priest. But nobody was bold enough to go in and retrieve the body. And so they thought, well, if God struck him down, we'll just pull him out with the rope. But you know what? We don't have one, one circumstance of God ever striking the priest dead in the Holy of Holies. We have never heard one circumstance where they had to pull the high priest out by a rope. Why is that? Because when God saw the blood, he showed mercy. When God saw the blood, he showed mercy. And so here it is now. We, we, we move it forward to the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and there it is on the cross that the blood of the 
only begotten Son of God is being shed for the forgiveness of mankind. And, and we, we know that there were seven sayings of the cross, and many times I've preached on the seven sayings of the cross. But the second last saying that Jesus said, before he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, he shouted out with a loud voice, It is finished. When he shouted out those words, it is finished. It was the price has been paid for the freedom of mankind. The blood has been shed and it's dripped on the mercy seat of God. It is finished and your freedom was paid for through the blood of Jesus Christ. The old hymnist wrote a wonderful old hymn, What can wash away my sins? And the answer is very simply, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Freedom. Freedom. When he cried out, it is finished. It resonated through the universe. Freedom now belongs to all who believe. They can walk out of the prison house of the devil. Why? Because sin has consequences. And whenever you sin, you come under the dominion of the evil one. But the blood of Jesus Christ unlocks the prison doors. It literally causes you to escape from the prison house. It literally causes you to escape from the judgment of sin. And you can walk out in your freedom, no longer under the condemnation of death, no longer under the condemnation of punishment, no longer under the condemnation of fear. Free to walk in the goodness of God. How good is that? The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sins. Second thing that Jesus gives us is forgiveness. I love this, forgiveness. The cleansing of sin, forgiveness. Hey, is there anyone here that doesn't sometimes suffer with what you've done in the past? When you look in your past and you think, oh man, I'm not good at, I'm, I'm not happy with that. What if I were to say to you, what I've got in my hands is a book that's got every single one of your sins recorded? How would you feel if I said, oh, this is Aaron Williams' book. And in this book, now some of you are saying, it's just not thick enough to be Aaron's. <laughs> huh? Not thick enough. You need volumes. You need a whole, isn't that right? <laughs> but every single one of us have done things that we're ashamed of. And do you know what? The thing is this, that they're all recorded. Just, you know, some of you don't understand that God's got this video camera on you 24 7. Every single word that you've said, every single deed that you've done is recorded. So, what, what a horrible thing it is to one day stand before the judge of the universe and have, a, and have to give an account for every single sin that you've committed. And guess what? They've got all the time in the world. So there's no rushing. There's no time clocks. We've got half an hour. With some of you, there's days and days and days. But this is what happens with the blood of Jesus, is that it wipes it all clean. And so what I've got here is the book of every single sin that Aaron Williams has ever committed. Here it is here. It's all written down, every single sin 
that he's ever committed. It's written down, every single one. Uh, every single one. It's been forgiven. And so when the book is opened, there's nothing there. It's all forgiven. But, but, but God, I, I'm still ashamed of this. I can't remember it, Aaron. All that I know is that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you from all sin. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you from all sin. Not only do you have freedom from the enemy's curse, but you have forgiveness for every single sin. This is what the cross of Jesus Christ has accomplished. Freedom and forgiveness. How many of you say amen to that? How awesome is that? But it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. There's more. And what's that? What's more? Well, favor. According to the richness of his grace, which abounds towards us, the grace of God. So not only does God want to give us freedom and forgiveness, but he also wants to give us favor. <laughs> Beautiful is that. Favor. What does it mean? It means that I'm now a child of God. It means that I'm a prince with God. It means that I'm no longer a miserable sinner, but I'm a prince with God. I now walk with God's favor. When God looks at me, he doesn't see a miserable sinner. He sees a son, a prince with God. Someone who was destined before the foundations of the earth to rule and reign with Christ. And so now what God wants to do is give me favor. And for some of us, we can't even grasp hold of this. this. This revelation is just so big, we can't grasp it because we see ourselves as miserable, sinning worms, miserable little worms. Whereas when God looks at us, he looks us through the eyes of Jesus. He says, there's my child, an heir with Christ, a joint heir with Christ. You know, one of my favorite parables in the Bible is the parable of the prodigal son. How many of you love the parable of the prodigal son? It's found in Luke 15. But you know what, what? What touches me the most about this parable is how undeserving the son was, but how forgiving the father was. And the son, and the son, let, let me tell you, I mean, he, he was a wretch. He was, he was a shocker. He says, Dad, I wish you were dead. Dad, matter of fact, let's pretend that you are dead. So that I can have the inheritance that only comes to me when you're dead. And I'll just, I'll just get out of your world and pretend that you're dead. And just walk away and just do whatever I want to do with my inheritance. So what if we pretend that you're dead and I get the inheritance and walk out? That's basically what he was saying to his father. How many of you know that's the truth? And so what happens is that he goes away from the father and spends all the inheritance in ungodly living. And, and then it all disappears, and he's in a shocking state. And so in his shocking state, in a pig pen, a shocking state, he wakes up and he says, you know what, even the servants in my father's house are better off than me. Even the servants, let alone the sons, the servants. And so he reckons, this is what he reckons, he reckons, you know what, I don't deserve ever to receive the favor of a son. But even if I can get the favor of a servant, I'm better off than now. And so you know what he does? He just picks himself up and he says, I'm going to go back 
and just with repentant heart and just say, I don't deserve to be a son. I'm happy to be a servant. And you know, the Bible says that when the father sees him still afar off, he runs towards him. You can come up, Tim. I'm, I'm, I'm coming in for a landing. You can come up and uh, play something for me. The Bible says that even while he was still a long way off, the father saw him and runs to him. You know, just got to remember that this was originally spoken to a Jewish audience. And whether it be a Jewish audience or a Muslim audience today, there is nothing more offensive to Jews or Muslims than pigs. And this young man had just come out of a pig pen and he still had the stench of pigs on him. But when the father saw him, he didn't smell the pigs. He saw his son who was repentant. What had he done? He hadn't done any good works. This has nothing to do with good works. This is all to do with grace. And can I just say to our postmodernist mindset that is so focused on good works that your, your good works are actually offensive to God. When you say that you deserve to go to heaven because of your good works, you're offending God. And you say, well, why, why am I offending God? Because you're devaluing the price that was paid for you. You're actually putting down the cross. You're actually saying, my good works are more powerful than the sacrifice of your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why God says, don't give me your good works. I'm not interested in your good works. I just want you to focus on my grace. Your unmerited favor. You don't deserve it. You can never deserve it. It doesn't matter if you gain the whole world and bring it here. It cannot even scratch the surface of the price that was paid. The blood of Jesus Christ is more valuable than the whole universe put together. And so if you try to exchange the universe for the blood, you're devaluing the blood. You're devaluing the sacrifice. So don't give me your good works. I'm not interested. This is what I'm interested in, your humility. Humility, humility. Come the way you are with the stench of the pig pen. But Father, I don't deserve anything. And bang, all of a sudden... God's grace just dive bombs you. The grace of God just comes all over you. Yes, of course you don't deserve it, but this is not about you. It's about me and my grace. And the Bible says that the father got the robe, the best robe, and he puts it in. And so there's five things. And, and I find it fascinating that there's five things. Because in the Bible, five is the number of grace. And it's like a, 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 a subconscious message of this is all about grace. It's all about grace. And so here are the five things that the Father gives the Son. Undeserved favor. He says, quick, put a robe upon him. The robe of righteousness. 
Then he takes his ring off, the signet ring, puts it on his finger and says, he now has access to all that I have. Let, let me tell you, it's like giving a checkbook with every check signed by the Father, giving him the signet ring. You now have all that I have is yours. Takes the sandals, puts them on his feet. You walked away from me. But now you're going to walk a new walk, the walk of submission to the Father, the walk of holiness, the walk of righteousness, the walk of glory. So many people have walked away, but God puts new shoes on your feet. It's a new pathway. It's a new journey. It's a new walk. And sometimes we just miss it, the significance of the sandals. You've walked away, but now you're going to walk following me, following me. And he says, quick, get the fatted calf, the calf that was set aside, not just an ordinary calf, the fatted one. See, I don't want to just supply. I want to oversupply. I want to do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond all that you ask or think. The fatted calf. And then number five, let's give him a party. A party of rejoicing. A party of joy. A party of happiness. Come on, this was my son who was once lost, but has now come, who is now alive. Favor. Favor. See, God's not only wanting to give you freedom, unlock the key of your captivity. Not only want to give you forgiveness to blot out every single one of your sins, but He wants to give you favor so that you can live forever. And all this is through the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all sins. Thanks for listening to this message from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at lifesource.org.au to find out more about our church and to also access other free resources.